You have always been fascinated with how people bury bodies. I don't know. I don't know anybody who's not. <laughs> I've never, I've never <laughs> known someone to not have a shelf on their bookshelf dedicated to that type of thing. <laughs> feet up, feet down, on your belly, oh, upside yeah. down. My yeah. favorite way? Go make on. Them dig. Make the person who died dig. No, you kill them after they finish digging their own fucking grave. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, they have them. Okay, I need you to dig this grave for somebody that we murdered. Okay, I'll do that. Trick, you're who we murdered, and now you're already in the hole. (laughs) You're both going in there, chump. Chump. Bury them together, butt to butt, or they go to hell. saw smoke float past your screen i just took a hit from my pipe oh, okay so in answer to your question oh i just <laughs> loud um in answer to your question yes i'm smoking okay got it i, I wasn't even thinking about pot <laughs> <laughs> like, oh jeff started smoking at the wedding <laughs> nope i didn't smoke oh i did smoke one cigarette while i was there I managed pretty, 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 pretty goodly to be able to occasionally have a cigarette and not um, get back on the train of buying packs of cigarettes. So that's good. Yeah. Eric but if has you're, that ability too. If you're drunk at a wedding and someone's got a cigarette and you're stressed out because of all the people that you don't know, it's very nice to be like, hey, can I have one of those cigarettes and go over there alone? Not only is it nice, I'll bet it's a law somewhere. Most of the Southern states have a law about and it. Yakima. Oh, yeah. Well, Yakima's got all the laws, buddy. You can't do much there. They've got Yakima a real law, real gang, real gang problem there. Real crime rate <laughs> in Yakima. I'm serious. Keepsies playing for keepsies. Oh, that, I bet that's really good. It is pretty good. It's I a like little sour. Pog it's stuff. Pretty tasty. I think we can just say this is a very special short edition. You hear that, Andrew? It's a very special short edition. Very, very special. Welcome to a perfectly acceptable podcast. It's Bellingham Washington's premier podcast that we directly beam from ourselves to you 12 listeners. Premier. Um, premier. I always pronounce it premier. Oh my God. I forget about your Cajun French. <laughs> um, yeah. You spelled favorite wrong. You learn something wrong every day, don't you? Yeah, I know. And my favorite wrong fact for this week on our Perfectly Acceptable podcast, uh, a show where people who love each other come together and share things about art, episode 243 is that I was able to find out that it's episode 243. I've got three <laughs> emails in the can, but the first one I'm going to pull up here. Hey, Django, how are you? Do you I'm good, Jeff. How are uh, like in the can, like the, like the butt? No, it's, but we are in the bathroom, the John, the can, which is where I have historically recorded every episode of this podcast that we've done. You show your can in the John. Oh, where else are you going to show off your can? Especially when it's cute and voluptuous like this rumptuous is. <laughs> Happy episode 243, <laughs> my dearest papsters. On March 19th of the year 2000, The Simpsons debuted episode 243, Bart of the Future. In the episode, after their picnic in the park is cut short due to mosquito infestation, the Simpsons stop by at an Indian casino. There, Bart is prevented from entering because of his age. I actually remember this episode, Will. This was a big deal. He manages to sneak in, but is caught by the guards and sent to the casino manager's office. The 
manager shows Bart a vision of his future as a wannabe rock musician living with Ralph Wiggum while Lisa has become the president of the United States and tries to get the country out of financial trouble, financial trouble that the tr country has inherited from one President Trump. I did not remember that. The Simpsons have been known for making many offhanded jokes that have happened to come true, but the prediction of a disastrous Trump presidency back in the year 2000 may be the most terrifying of all. On the subject of terrifying haunting tales, we find ourselves arriving at my question of the week with the spooky time upon us. What are some of your favorite thriller, horror, comics, or graphic novels that you like to reread or recommend to shop patrons this time of year? Creep it real, William Elmer. P.S. When Django inevitably says lock and key, remind him that we are reading volume one for our next book club in a couple weeks, and we'd love to hear from him why he loves it so much. <laughs> Nice, Will. You are good. <laughs> I like you. If that if that type of incredible uh, comedic insight and a general inquisitive nature for the things around you and love of our consumption interests you and you resonate with that, I also do a podcast with Will in this feed currently for one or two more episodes called The Ted Lass Bros. It's a show about Ted Lasso. You should listen to it. Will's good on it. Wait, that's Will? That's yeah. the same Will? Yeah. Will, dude. I actually don't know. I think it's pronounced Elmier. Elmier. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Will Elmier. Will Elmier. Well, well, me Elmier. That's the, that's the, that's news to me. It's news to me. Um, okay. So spooky season books, scary books, things I, that are. I've done yeah. this like four times this week already. Okay. With customers. All right. And all I'm right. going to try to pull spooky books out of the air that I haven't recommended to people this week. Okay. Um, one that I believe, I believe we still have some left is the Aftershock Shock hardcover anthology. Yeah, I remember when that came in and you bringing it back in and being like, every single one of these but one was really good. Yeah. I think. And, and maybe they were all good, actually. I Yeah, I think there was one that was a little bit clumsy and the one that was a little bit clumsy made me cry. Like, all, all of them scared me except the one that made me have a, have a real emotion. So, well, um, that's what's scary to you. Nothing is more terrifying to Django Boren than the idea oh, of letting other people see that he has a heart. Aftershock gart me. <laughs> Aftershock gart my heart. Um, <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, I just looked at my shelf and saw one that I think is good House of Penance. Uh, mm -hmm. And that one's got incredibly great art by Ian Bertram. I think Excellent. that's a great spooky book. Um, I think that Nameless is a great one, but that's almost more horror than spooky because it's like a psychological, very scary thing. Also, big props to Lock and Key. Uh, um, oh, yeah. Lock and Key is great. Have you? Uh, <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Yes. Um, I would say that Batman Arkham Asylum by mm. Grant Morrison is a pretty spooky Batman book. Interesting um, choice. Infidel. Infidel is a great one. That's a super really spooky. good point. Yep. Great catch. That, like page turn scares. Yes. Yes. What was the name of the artist in that book? Aaron Campbell. Aaron Campbell. And the yeah. writer, I think it was Porn Sock Peanut Schultze, if I can yeah, remember that correctly. Who was doing something else kind of cool recently. And I yeah. can't remember what it was, but yeah, yeah, they, they just kind of tend to do good stuff. Yeah, I would love to go out to my bookshelf and just look at what are the spooky things that I keep around specifically. Um, but that, that's a that's a list of some of the ones that I think are good Halloween ones. There are some great Hellboy one shots mm -hmm. um, and Hellblazer short mm, stories. Um, yeah, like like I I would uh, maybe next year we'll have our back issues in in good enough order that I can make little two to four issue bundles of horrific Hell Hellblazer books, seasonal bundles, um, yeah. witches by Scott Ooh. Snyder. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. um, is a good one. Yeah, yeah that, that, that was a good that was a good list of them. Thanks for the question, list. Will. I remember walking away from that Simpsons episode with an even well, okay, this is going to sound weird with a large crush on Maggie. I almost was going to say older Maggie. Even, yes, not the okay. baby. Okay. But I almost was going to say with an even larger crush on Maggie. And I realized, <laughs> wait, the basis for that, because I did as a Simpsons fan, always, always had a little, had a, had a little bit of the thing for Lisa Simpson, but that started when I was like seven. So I think it's okay. Right. It was, well, it was, it was, and now it's for not. sure. For sure. Burn, burn seven-year-old Jeff. <laughs> um, you know, the Simpsons do get a lot of talk about how they, they make, predictions or do shows where the thing ends up happening and uh i don't think i like it akira predicted that tokyo japan would be the people to be having the olympics this year but it would have been called off because a giant disaster happened and yeah but i think saying that the simpsons predicted trump as a president would be like saying manga predicted that the olympics would be in Japan during a disaster. Yeah, like, I mean, it's all just coincidence, right? We're throwing a lot of spaghetti at the wall with fiction, you know? Yeah. And The Simpsons, Jesus. A lot of 300,000 episodes, 300, episodes with 90 million jokes each. I know. It's it, one of it's, the largest math equations there's ever been. It's like half of an infinity of monkeys typing on half of an infinity of typewriters for half of an infinity, okay. and they're generating reality. I like that. I also am just a big fan of monkeys. Hey, we're going to be talking about some comic books on this week's show. Um, I think in the spirit of that very spooky question that we started with, we're going to talk about (laughs) Arkham City, the Order of the World. Then we're going to talk about A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance. Then we're going to talk about The Amazing Spider-Man number 75, the new creative team that's taking over on that. Django's going to drop a very explosive bomb on everyone's lap, and then we're going to spend a little time with Soul Plumber, but then we're going to get out of here. Uh, We're having a quick show this week. Jeff was out of town for a wedding. We're recording this late. Um, There's also some news to discuss. Before we get into this incredibly spooky book, what news came through the grapevine while I was in the bathroom at the wedding uh, hotel before going to the wedding this recent week, my good friend, old wing engineer. Uh, well, over the weekend. Is it okay we, if I say your last name on this? Um, I don't have a last name. Right. It's a lie. Whatever last name just you say Django. is a lie. It's like yeah. Madonna. I like it. I like it. Sorry, I just like realized Prince. that anonymity is something both of us have sought to cultivate. <laughs> um, it's over. It's, it's over. over. It's I just, over. I just, I'm getting dressed in the dark. Goes back. You'll be able to hear me maybe slip Django's last name into this. So if this is your first episode <laughs> of the podcast, we do talk about comics more than this. And if you go back like 100 episodes, we talked about them better. But we do talk about comics on this podcast. But right now we're leaning into just two jabronis talking about ponies. That's that's us. The news. The news. The news. Red Hot Comic Book comic book news. Um, it They're bringing Saga back. Mm. I have had and, somebody ask me when that book comes back every single week since we've opened. Oh, yeah. Up. We open back up. Oh yeah, and it's really nice to be able to say for sure when they announce the nine-issue slipcase collection that they they just uh, are getting ready to release. I was like, they gotta be pretty close in the pipe. Yeah. So it'll be back uh, late January, twenty twenty-two. Right? Is it? This is this is twenty twenty-one. Okay. Yeah. Late January, twenty twenty-two. Cover price is two ninety-nine, and we're gonna find out. There's got to be a time jump in there, right? Because the, the, the end of the, the last one had a crazy cliffhanger that we probably shouldn't say just in can case I, there's somebody on the planet who hasn't read it. Can I propose something to you? Yeah. I d- Will you marry Yes! 
Will you, how about an episode by episode podcast about Saga leading up to the relaunch of the series? Now, I don't know how many weeks it's going to be, but I have a feeling we're going to have to do multiple episodes a week. We've probably got time for that. I'm in. I'm not in. That was a bad idea. It was just a, I am a coward. I can't wait to see Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona, Fiona Staples. That book came out right around the time I started working at the shop just before it. Um, So it's, it's kind of indicative of an epoch it was also like the kind of the first book in the wave of images resurgence mm-hmm. um and kind of becoming the crown jewel in the comic industry for a couple of years and then and getting one of the ma yawned on by boom <laughs> booms ma, yawning ma consumed it one of the one of the best uh like gateway comics i think mm-hmm. for the comic book world like yeah. that that book brought in more people than batman probably has in the last 10 years yep that's a great point. On the topic of Batman, Arkham City, The Order of the World, written by Dan Waters, illustrated by Danny, colors by Dave Stewart. Do you know anything about Dan Waters? I don't know anything about Dan Waters. I'm going to look him up while you tell yeah. us a little bit about this book. So first of all, I thought this book was beautiful. Um, it follows a psychologist from Arkham who was not killed during the A-Day riot which uh, is something that unfortunately this book is tied to uh, part of the Jimmy TIV uh, storyline where the Joker killed a lot of inmates and a lot of most of the staff at Arkham. Um, And she's, she's just kind of bopping through Gotham trying to help the cops sort of solve, solve some crimes. And uh, there's something, something to do with what is the guy's name that the 10 eyed, the 10 eyed man, dude, I got to pause you some relationship with him. The writer of this book is one of the guys that was at the table with us with Mark Russell and Rom V and And Alex Pacnadel. Yeah, that crew. And he was the one who was writing Lucifer at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And man, what a superstar table we stumbled into. Yeah, just a couple of years before they rose to prominence. But that is funny, right? Context. Awesome. Lucifer did a little de- detective comics, House of Whispers, uh, a shadow miniseries, uh, Coffin Bound. He did some of he did a shadow miniseries, uh, Leviathan from 2018. I don't know if it's one shot or something. Limbo, but ho- um, maybe Homesick Pilots. He co-wrote or something. He's listed as a credit on that. But Lucifer was the big one. Let's get them all on the podcast. Let's interview them all at once. Let's just have a have a big old scrap them up with those guys. So I totally interrupted with you because that blew my mind. But the yeah, the Ten Eyed Man. The ten-eyed man with the ten eyes on his fingers and the, mm-hmm. the spiky helmet. Um, really good, really good, scary stuff in here. And great, he, and he's always contorting. Great concept art and character design. Yeah, and somehow he he removed someone's jaw without breaking their skin. Yeah, which is just horrifying. Yeah, uh, yeah. it is. It's a very good spooky book for this time of year. I you know I hope we get one other issue out close to Halloween so we can really capitalize mm-hmm. on this. Um, the time and timing of it. So, and the art is gorgeous. I think I really liked the art. Yeah, I really liked the art. Um, it's and the same th- artist that did Miracle Molly. Okay, and a couple weeks ago. Yep, yep. And that because that art made me want to read that. Actually, now that you mentioned mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah, there's like a really strong Frank Miller Sin City vibe going with it to me. There's like shadowed some... eyes. Yep, yep, faces. and and lots of little little negative space lines yep i really like when figures aren't drawn like using a pen to draw the outside of the people like everything has got Mm -hmm. an inked line to designate the end of a shape this just ends the coloring uh something we've talked about on the podcast before but it's a technique i always really really like so i'm really curious what these pages look like 
before they were colored by Dave Stewart. Yeah. And it, it also has a, a whole lot of kind of Eduardo Riso to me. Yep. Yep. And yep. sort of the blocking and the, the perspective, there's a lot of foregrounds, middle grounds and backgrounds in here that, and, and canted angles that really made me think of the best Rousseau work. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I did really like it by the end. I was starting to wonder, like, are they leaning into this technique a little bit? Does it feel a little rushed at times, but, also, I don't really know. I don't really know what that would have meant. I don't really know. I don't trust that thought now. Um, I, there wasn't as as weird and kind of impressionistic as parts of it are. I wasn't lost for a moment. Yeah. Except maybe when the and one of the ten-eyed man's poses confused me. But once I figured it out, everything else was insane. <laughs> I would say the more confusing part was kind of understanding the the narration of it mm -hmm. as it began. Like they're using a sort of uh, narrator technique in it that becomes evident like two thirds of the way through who it is. But there's kind of a moment where we start touring around a rogues gallery. And it felt to me like Professor Pig was talking uh, and then got hung up on like, man, that does not sound like Professor Pig. Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't Professor Pig, which was relieving, but it, it, there was just a, that was the only thing that was a little bit confusing, but it was a very spooky book and it looked gorgeous. And um, it's it, that the Ten-Eyed Man thing made me think of the the ninja cult and the beginning of the Grant Morrison thing, the like same in the character. sand. Is it the same character? I think so. Yeah. That's what I was wondering because in yeah. the, in that, you know, it wasn't kind of like a tangible person. It was more like a organization in the desert. But they uh, all had the yeah the eyes, right? Yeah, I, yeah. Maybe maybe it's I don't know. Probably so if it's a new us. if it's a new creation, I think it's awesome. If it's a reference to that, it is tonally and representationally a bit different. Mm -hmm. And I still think that it's an awesome reinterpretation of it. So either way, yeah. uh, he he hit a home run on that for me. The yeah. two, page two and three that was a really spooky page reveal really scary page reveal really nice art really scary reveal yeah whoever thought that rat catcher would actually be scary like that yeah well done dan waters yeah dan waters and danny and danny and dave stewart clearing D -D -D. out that triangle of d's well what do you give it django man i probably would have given it a an eight but i'm gonna give it a nine i'm gonna give it a nine also and if you had asked me in a vacuum, just as an exhausted person who's driven across the state and done a lot in the last like four days, um, what I would have given it, maybe we would have said like a seven. But now I'm sitting here and I'm like, I don't know what thought I was having at night while I was reading this. Where I <laughs> why was they, I so grumpy? Like, well, <laughs> by the by the last like kind of four pages, I remember being like, oh, I really liked this art at the beginning, but now I don't know. But as I'm looking through it, I would love to reread it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go up to a nine. I did. I think I think it was made a little bit more confusing by me being tired. I read it after yeah. getting back from driving across the state, and uh, it, yeah, yeah, and and just on a on a Danny note, uh, yeah, big fan of that brand, by the way. Big fan. Also, this is more to my tastes than the Miracle Molly one was, and I really like mm. the Miracle Molly. But looking at them next to each other this week, um, this one sh either shows growth or just a. a a different mission by the artist. Yeah. Yeah. Impressive stuff. On the topic of incredible art this week, um, <laughs> A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance uh, by Rick Remender, <clears throat> Andre Lima Araujo with Chris O'Halloran and Russ Wooten. These two have maybe never worked together, but it seems like they would have. Rick Remender I and Alice Scott fill like a similar spot in my brain a little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he's done Marvel stuff with him. Either way, doesn't matter. Two creators that we really like, I 
particularly like Rick Remender, um, mm-hmm. but we've talked about most of his books on the podcast and everything Araujo has done. We've pretty much screamed about as much as we can. Yeah. Yeah. And this, this, the pacing in this is perfect. It's perfect. It's, it's such a perfectly paced comic. Yeah. And, and basically it just follows this guy who seems kind of like a, like a down on his luck schlub who you sort of assume has something seething underneath as he takes a bus to a place and he has some small side tracks on the way there. All of them triggered this should intense we not frustration spoil? in me. Should we not spoil the... Yeah, let's not spoil the, okay, the, the big thing. There's a big thing in this that is hype. Sorry, I didn't know if your statement was about to unveil that, which is why. I oh, it, it could. But but just like everything that he does on his way, all the little frustrations he has when he, he runs into a kid watching a bird die and he has to deal with that. And he, he gets waylaid at a grocery store and he lets somebody in front of him in line get on the bus while he stands in the rain and they're just slow about it. Like all of that triggered the same kind of anxiety in me that uncut gems did and reading this comic wound me up in a similar way before we get to the the end stuff which is like my bread and butter mm-hmm. comic book wise this did a really good job of frustrating me and probably didn't help that i read it at the end of a wednesday where <laughs> i started at full tilt at 9 30 a.m and didn't stop until eight the uh yeah the what i like so much about it is that you don't really know at all what this story is going to be about for mm-hmm. 85% of it. Mm-hmm. It just is, is like, well, this is gorgeous. And I'm reading this cause I like these creators, but as to like motivation or general direction of what this is, I don't know what this is until it becomes very clear in a large way. Although there's still some great mysteries in it, but just uh, the pacing of it was so well done. And the, the amount of, you know, I like verbal storytelling, but I love, illustrated storytelling in this one there's just a lot of visual you know so much is told by the visuals um with no yeah. words at all and i love a silent comic and this is not that but it's um closer to that than a jimmy tiv book and everything really builds nicely like mm-hmm. the reasons that everything happens the reason that is telegraphed that he's going to have problems in future issues all of that feels really natural like it doesn't feel like they're like, oh, we need this to happen, so let's let's make his cigarettes too wet. Mm-hmm. You know, like like it felt like a really natural progression. Did you? There's there's a scene at some point in the book that hints at what's going to happen later in the book. Did you not have all. thoughts about it? Okay, I not had I, I thought, and then I was like, nah, probably not. And I kept reading, and I was I was really pleased when I when I got to the end. Nice, yeah, not at all. And the and the shock was very satisfying to me. Um, we're being real vague. I also want to say that I think that the art is like, I think it's a level up while being a mm-hmm. little less stylized. Like, I think yep. it's a little less obviously Araujo, but I think it's, I think it's more, um, it, it's just more uh, the, the C word that I'm looking for. Um, it's good, competent. It's very competent, competent storytelling uh, yeah. in every regard. So I really liked the art in it. And it, yeah, a little less obviously Araujo. Yeah, fewer lines on the lines i think like faces are a bit different or just a little yeah yeah, it's um yeah i loved it yeah absolutely loved it this one i will give a 9.5 well i don't know if you can tell me why you didn't give it a 10 without spoiling something but i'm gonna give it a 10 because a it's amazing and b it made me anxious which daddy don't get anxious much listen i know that feelings mean that we should get a 10 but the bird scene really bummed a boy out okay that's 
That's fair. Just, uh, <clears throat> you know, 10 is like Pax Americana, where I could reread that any time and I would be blown away by it. That bird only, scene will bum me out always. Murdered. Well, there's the dog that gets killed in that, actually. Never mind. Never mind. Pax Americana is 9.5. <laughs> <laughs> um, Django, did you read The Amazing Spider-Man? I didn't. I tried to get to it and I, I didn't. It, it was intimidating. I don't know if intimidating is the right word, but it, it was very large. And if you're like, if you're going to save your big books till the end, which is something I often do, it would be easy to have been putting this one off. Yeah, I'm I'm flipping through it while uh, while you tell us. God, it looks really cool. It is. Um, the uh, the free comic book day for Spider-Man had been a preview to this. It was this writer and this artist. And the main conceit of that is that Ben Riley has been hired by a company called the Beyond Company, Beyond Corporation, to be given a Spider-Man costume and go out and be Spider-Man again. And they're going to be <clears throat> using computer stuff to be humping them, hunt down crime. And Peter starts this after the pretty devastating end to uh, Nick Spencer's run, which has Harry dead and him down out on his luck. But he is back together with Mary Jane, which is great. Um, but he's bumming hard and he's got financial problems and he goes out to be Spider-Man to feel good about himself. And he sees another Spider-Man zipping around, which has got to be like PTSD for him because clones and Peter Parker go together like mm -hmm. peanut butter and pickle sandwiches. But maybe he thinks it's Miles. Different They're buddies. Costume, but that's a good point. You're right. He would probably be like, oh, he does yell like, holy Spider-Verse or something like that. Right. <laughs> um, the art's really gorgeous. Um, the interactions between Peter and Ben are awesome. I do think that like the clone saga is... I think it's so fascinating the role that that plays in the entire mythos of Spider-Man because it's mm -hmm. one of the most point toable moments of the last, you know, how many years he's been having a comic. We're probably close to like 70, but um, like either people hate it or they love it or they love to hate it or they got exhausted trying to track it down. Like everyone kind of has a weird memory of that. Yeah. And um, I think as we do incorporate that into the larger mythos, it becomes really interesting when it's well done. And it's just like, it, it elicits a lot of emotions. The idea that like you have a clone and they have the same memories of, as you. So then which of you is real, but then also you would both be in love with the same person and who gets to have this life. Right. Um, and that's interesting. So they're not dealing directly with those questions anymore, but they're, people who have interactions that are informed by having been on the other side of that now. And I think that's pretty interesting. Do you, so I hear a lot of people try to write things off as like, Oh, I hate Ben Riley. He came from that storyline that is much reviled. Mm -hmm. Right. But this looks like it's a pretty solid story using yeah. the toys that, that we were given. Even if, even if the storyline that, that gave us those toys is a bummer, like people like Spider-Man 2099, but you can't say that first run was a solid comic book. You know? Well, yeah, no, that's a good point. And I, yeah, I think, um, you know, not great things can produce great things still. Yeah. Right. Like the Clone Saga. I don't think reading the Clone Saga is fun, but I think the, there are some great characters that came out of it, like Kane, the resurgence of the Jackal. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, unless you are just like, you find the nature of Ben riley's character like if he shows up on a page you just have a, a repulsive response repulse <laughs> unless that's your thing i think that you'll be able to be okay if you think that you don't like the clone saga you're not really into ben riley i still think the way he's used and what this is is, is pretty good um the art looks amazing it's patrick gleason which is well of course it's amazing awesome because he was doing amazing marvel stuff dc yeah sorry he was doing dc stuff and then has come to marvel and not been great so far yeah um which is crazy. 
because uh, yeah, we've been getting Gleason art and it's just been like, it's just one of those things that like, I don't know, is, is it Ramita doesn't fit at DC or is he just right. older now? Like it, it begs these questions. So it was weird to have so little Gleason art be impressive or just sort of fit in Marvel yet. I'm trying to remember what the Marvel books he'd been doing are that I... He's been doing a lot of covers, I think. Yeah, a lot of covers. But I remember, been... I remember seeing his stuff and just having it kind of go in one eye and out the other because it yeah. wasn't, wasn't up to the, the same standards that I think his Superman stuff was. Um, I love this picture early on of I, I guess it's probably uncle ben without a face yeah that's freaking scary it is yeah that is a great 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 moment and the the big two-page spread with a slightly blurry background of spidey going through the air i like that a whole lot too yeah it's uh the art's great the story was great i'm really excited we're doing spider-man weekly right now so i don't know if y'all can handle that or where you're oh you know what he was doing spider-man and it was just bad <laughs> Okay. Was is it weekly or is it three times a month? It might be three times Not a nigh month. Nigh weekly. Nigh weekly. Um, yeah, we're having to order them a lot in advance, and I'm kind of lost in trying to dictate what those numbers should be. Um, well, here, let me build you a, a program that makes that harder. I know that they are kind of it bouncing around writers as well. Kelly Thompson's doing some. This is Zeb Wells, who I just want to shout out. Not a name that many people are that into, but he did some issues of a series called savage no avenging spider-man like mm -hmm. 10 years ago or something and there's some really good issues in that one that i talk about often as being one of my favorite issues of all time which is like captain america and peter parker drawing comics together um nice. really good so a, a good writer I'm, I'm excited for it, and we'll see kind of how the the writers all bounce around and whatnot but i'm gonna give this one an 8.5 some nice some stuff happens to pete at the <laughs> end i actually i'm gonna go nine fuck it i thought it was really well paced i think due in no small part to how gorgeous the art was and like how kind of fluid it was and there was like the pages weren't too packed um really good comic i just really sat down and before i knew it i was done with it and it was like a double or triple sized issue Nice. Um, yep. Very excited to see, see what happens with it, but yeah, bad stuff happens to Peter at the end and I can't wait to see what's going on. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, listen, I will. I read a comic. Oh, it was called chicken devil. Oh, had Brian Bucoletto writing it and Hayden Sherman drawing it with, uh, Hassan Otsmane Ilahu lettering it. And I guess Hayden Sherman is coloring it too. He's doing all the art. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> And it's a pretty simple setup. The setup is similar to Ozark, where this guy who owns a business uh, finds out that his business partner has been teaming up with, I think, Russian gangsters. They're all in tracksuits, which I think is comic book shorthand for Russian. Uh -huh. So that he's he's been smuggling heroin in the vats. Heroin. Yeah, heroin in, in the vats of his chicken mix, like his spices mix. And uh, this guy lost millions of dollars worth of heroin. And now they're both in trouble, even though the main guy didn't have anything to do with it. And so he uh, he books uh, after he talks to his mom, who is in prison and swears up and down that she didn't kill his dad. Um, he tries to get on a boat with his family to escape and they explode like it just kills his family, which that's not something you see a lot. Right. Like usually his family would be the motivation for him to get back to them. But it's like Punisher style. The Russian, the, the tracksuit guys blew up the uh, the boat. And uh, then he then he tries to go steal the uh, the heroin out of the chicken place in order to sell it and pay the guys back or something. And heroin. it's just it's it's really like Ozark, Breaking Bad kind of dirty crime. The art blew me away. 
Um, it's it's the closest I've seen to my favorite bits of um, Kyle Baker without actually looking at Kyle Baker. There, there were pages on here where I was flipping around to make sure that Kyle Baker wasn't credited as an artist for flashbacks or whatever. Um, the action's great. The paneling is amazing. The story takes takes you places that you don't expect. Um, there's even there's even a, a good bit of slapstick at the end that uh, I didn't see coming at all. There's, there's something about this book. Django, what, something you, about it. You dropped you dropped some numbers on the floor earlier when talking about it, and I'm just I curious. I don't know what those were, but I wow, I just saw I just saw a menu for his chicken restaurant in the back of this book. I didn't go far enough. That's gonna that's gonna put it at a nine and a half for me. I thought it was going to be a 10. It's it might be a 10. I think it's a 10. I think it's a 10. I think it's a 10 too. Your enthusiasm was palpable. It was just something that I couldn't meet. Uh, okay. I haven't yeah. read it. I'm going to give it a 10 and I, I, I'd like you to read it, Jeff. I will read I know, it. I know you got a lot of stuff to do and a lot of books to read and a lot of things to count. I will read I, it. I think you'd like it. And I'll bet that it. this gave Roman a big old, oh, I, a big old gooey, gooey duck. I bet that it did. And I bet that this next book also did. <laughs> but before we get into that, we have a voicemail from Nathan Butcher. And I'm scared because now that I've opened it, it does say, I don't want to spoil it if this is actually what he did. Seven seconds of silence. Well, hi, everyone. It's Nathan Butcher. Oh, it's a good question. Uh, just start by saying thanks for uh, having Colette on because she's fun and her insight is rad and I really appreciate it. And Amen. also, I love that she got asked the question, the what else are you liking question. I think that's a really good way to involve uh, comics that aren't in that number one phase and really just finding out like what other people are continuing to like, whether it's a good place to jump on in a certain arc or, um, you know, like if somebody stopped reading something at the beginning, but then heard that it was actually really good later on, maybe they could pick up the issues to connect in between. And on that note, I wanted to say that uh, I just read Department of Truth 13, which came out like two weeks ago, but it was it's finally starting to reveal some stuff there's been a lot of reveals in every issue and you know james tinian for better or for worse I, I think his storytelling is really great even though i can get up in arms against him pretty quickly but that series i think the covers are a 10 every time i think the art has been absolutely amazing it's such the right feel and um it's saying some cool stuff and it's not just saying some cool stuff for the sake of saying some cool stuff it's actually it's telling a good story i think it's pretty cool so if you dropped off of it maybe consider getting back on pick up some issues in between and yeah have a uh, have a good show y'all this the the audio file says press here for fart sounds so i was afraid that he maybe had just sent us a bunch of fart sounds Who would that make um, you afraid and not excited uh, i would be excited that he had maybe sent us a bunch of fart sounds yeah, you're right. Um, you're right. Well, we do have another voicemail, and it's from Andrew, so I'm sure that he did sneak a bunch of fart sounds into this one. He can just edit them in when he wants. Um, but before we go into that one, uh, yeah, Department of Truth, what is... I can't remember it right now, I, unless that's the one, but it seems like the most interesting Jimmy TIV book to me. Although there, mm -hmm. I, there is one I feel like I often say is my favorite Jimmy TIV book. I like that. I liked Wind. Uh, I haven't stopped reading Wind, although I did forget to read the last three oh, or four issues. Nice House on the Lake. Oh, yeah. I read that tonight. I, yeah. I really enjoyed that new issue. Andrew gave me his copy of the one that I was missing to read, so I'm excited to read. He does good spooky stuff. Yeah, I think he. I actually think he does real good stuff outside of the main like continuity stuff, like the main so, big two stuff. Something that Nathan said in there gave me an idea. Gohan. I really like, you know, we do tend to focus on number ones and, and 
unless something really, really, really stands out, we don't do a lot of middle issues. What if we try to remember for future episodes or even a future episode, just have a segment where we do three, six, nine, and we talk about an issue three, six or nine that we've read in the last week. Oh, I do like multiples of three, as you know. Um, I, know I think it would be fun to do a no number one episode coming up here. Or just talk about books that we've been reading for quite a while. Like, yeah. you know, because uh, there's always a lot of those. And it's also easy to deprioritize them because when you're working on a Wednesday, people want to know what's hot and what's new, what's spitting at you. Uh, yeah. Like chicken, gr- co- cocaine, heroin, Jeff, chicken, chicken, heroin, breading, drop Heroni. fresh into the fryer and spit at you, spit at you. Um, hey, yeah, uh, yeah. Can I get another drink? Yeah, you get another drink and I will wait to I will wait to uh, play Andrew's message until you get back. Are you going to talk to Andrew while I do it or? Yeah, I'm going to clap. Like, tell him I'll to clap so he can out. edit it out. Nice. Um, nice. And whisper him sweet nothings and then clap so he can edit those out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We got a voicemail here from my good friend, Andrew Carlson, who I'm a big fan of. Here today. Um, I just read Deadpool, Black Red, Black, is it Black Blood? Black, I can white, never blood, remember either. Dumbass marvel <laughs> it's black and white but also got blood in it um not a super great issue as a whole um i would say the, the first two stories by david lapham and um his wife maria lapham and then the carlo pacheco leonard Kirk story they were okay I, I skimmed them for the most part but i really got it for the daniel warren johnson story and it was 100 worth it um it's a story where Deadpool's just talking to Daniel Warren Johnson on the couch while he's trying to write this <laughs> issue um, and just constantly self-editing and changing the story and not sure what he wants to actually make it about. But ultimately, it just ends up with him talking about his first experience with Deadpool and wanting to learn to draw with it. And God, Daniel Warren Johnson is just such a fucking good writer and artist. Um, he blows my goddamn mind. Um, so just had to record this to give another quick shout out to EWJ because that man is a fucking master uh, yeah thank you guys for all your hard work as always it's been fantastic editing the podcast the last few weeks um, and I hope that the listeners are also enjoying it uh, yeah have a great one that sounds awesome I'm gonna have to read that I I also totally agree they did that it was you know Batman black and white and then Marvel was like we'll do a Wolverine black white and blood and then they did deadpool which is maybe also black white and blood but then dc was like okay cool we'll do superman red and blue and wonder Wonder Woman, woman black and gold and it's just now it's all too much and i don't remember what any of them are and they're all doing yeah yeah so it's it's a bunch of weird decisions and at this point like so many of them aren't they they feel like they're cheating with the colors to me Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, like I, I would love to see a rule in place that they can only do it like Sin City did colors. Which yeah, like, I would love that too. Great call. The the Dame wore red or the Babe wore red or whatever, just black, white, solid red, no half tones. Because there's like J. H. Williams the third who I love, but like you know he's got smoke features of gray and like <laughs> all sorts. You're just like okay, well we're really they're basically these are just not colored short stories and that's that's the thing which is also fine um but i also i do like the kind of introduction i don't know the the beginning of that wolverine one was like a fun idea and then and then we and then we plumbed it to the we plumbed it to the ends we plumbed it like a soul jenga what is the story with this book well i was gonna say we milked it into the ground but you you had a good segue we plumbed it to the soul 
Like yes, it. yes, yes. Like uh, this is by the creators of the last podcast on the left. And it's, so it's, it's written by, let's see, Marcus Parks, Henry Zabrowski, and Ben Kessel, uh, or the concept is by them. Uh, two of them wrote it. And then John McRae drew a bunch of it and PJ Holden drew a little bit of it and John McRae inked the whole thing. Um, it basically follows this religious zealot nerd who works at a gas station and he thinks that like the the schizophrenic dude outside can be saved by jesus and the the crazy sort of um right-wing guy who doesn't have a nose for whatever reason he's he's like a, a vet uh, and lost his nose and didn't get it replaced kind of as a statement um he loves jesus too and this guy gets kind of bamboozled by a dude who comes to his gas station fills up tells him to come to his seminar and his seminar is him using the spirit plunger which is like this big machine that he's made that pulls a demon out of somebody and we see that it's all bunk like it's all acting this this guy is is a fraud but this religious weirdo from the gas station steals the top secret plans for the soul plunger doesn't understand him very well and ends up actually building a soul plunger where he can pull a demon out of a person. Um, and that like the final panel is him with no shirt, pulling a demon out of a guy, super proud and just wearing a priest's collar. And it's, I don't know, man, that like, it's a lot of really gross humor, but I think that it's got, I think it's got a point. And I think that the, the joy in writing and drawing this comes through for me. That is a, crazy 30 second pitch man where you started and where you ended like i know it makes sense because you read it all but like that was a crazy that was a crazy point a to point b my friend it's 20 22 pages of just 24 24 pages of like like spiritual barf and fart jokes yeah and really really well done i thought the the preacher when he shows up on stage is wearing a suit made out of glowing crosses and it's it's one of one of my favorite panels i've ever seen the art's gorgeous john mccray dude he's so fucking good yeah yeah i read the first half of this and i just got i was like there is a lot of spiritual barf and fart jokes in here i bet mm -hmm. django is somewhere loving it rolling around in it it's sucking the soul right out of it into your plunger device but <laughs> i did i mean like the first half of it you know even even that like you went a lot of places from the set like the point that i stopped you went there went crazy places even from there it's it's a it's a wild thing it's pretty fast paced too i don't know if you felt like that but yeah i thought i thought it went pretty quick and like it's it's a huge info dump it's not really world building but it's it's a lot of character building that happens in the in the just this first issue i i was really impressed especially since i don't think that these guys have done comics before. yeah i don't John know McCray anything has. about the podcast or at all like i don't know anything about it so i was like i don't know if they're a comedy podcast or a horror podcast or a real crime podcast um i've certainly heard the name of it before um, but i do think that it's like a hor horror discussion podcast oh, okay i think like that you, what real. you said about the joy within writing and drawing it comes off the page. I do think that is very true. Um, in the same way that like shirtless bear fighter was just like, this person's having fun yeah. making this comic. So I think that's pretty evident in it. And I think it's a, I think it's something we'll probably sell out of if we haven't already it. Um, not a lot yeah. of people have pre-ordered it, but in the like week leading up to it, we had people calling multiple times a day for it. Yeah. I, uh, I'm impressed. I don't even really know. 
like the people who are calling for it are fans of the podcast yes oh yeah i don't know what i would put in their hands like if they said i'm gonna buy this today what other comic should i get a what Jingo else do I book. like? Yeah, but what is it? Is it like Preacher uh, has some a little bit of Preacher's the got some of this the religious gross out stuff. Dregs is a little bit yeah hard hard like boiled. S- like similar, the absurdist comedy art. of Preacher kind of comes to mind. Um, Hellblazer at times. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would love to have a good run of Hitman trade paperbacks, yeah. but they don't really do those at this point. They don't. But yeah, I guess it'll be curious how as it goes into it, does it lean more into the spookiness thing or is it moving more to the comedy mm-hmm. thing that I think would dictate kind of my next recommendation because it is both, yeah. I mean, it's kind of comedic horror. So yeah. And, and very sharp. Well, even, I don't think I'd even really say sharp religious commentary, very uh, uh, brazen religious commentary. Mm-hmm. Like don't, don't give this to your church going relatives. <laughs> or they'll never read don't another comic around. book. Don't this is know. this is what they warned us about. This is what the Warren Commission told us not to read. Oh no! You always bring up the Warren Commission on this <laughs> What's my podcast. Last name? I forget. Oh, Jango, you said mm. you weren't going to tell anybody. No, sorry, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. Um, I, w- I would like Warren to be overdubbed over what I said about your last name earlier in the podcast. <laughs> Jango Warren. Um, so did you give it a score? I don't believe that you did. I think I'd give it an. I think I'd give it an eight. It feels higher than that to me. I, I'm going to stick it, with an eight, but it feels higher than that. Okay. The art itself is like very, very, very 8.5 art to me. But I'm going to stop reading. I've been a big it. fan of this guy for a long time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think I think it's worth the next 10 minutes of your life to finish it. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you'll regret it. Yeah. 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 But farts mean different things to me than they mean to you. Yeah, that's true. But But you know talent. And I think this is made by talent. Okay. Well... I appreciate. I beat my way through House and Powers, buddy. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Fine. (laughs) Well, those are very good. (laughs) Those are very good. Listen, I don't like not farts. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's what I'm trying to get to. (laughs) Like, yeah. There's not a fart in that book. I don't think. I don't think so. And if there is, it would would feel scripted. Like, yeah, I'm doing this one for my fart fans. (laughs) Beast of farts on this page in this (laughs) panel, three quarters of the way down. (laughs) <laughs> yeah here's a chart yeah no that's how he would do it too yeah, yeah. like issue six three quarters of the way through issue six he's just calling the shot from way at the beginning that's our podcast for this week everybody we did a short one um but even still kind of longer than i would have thought yeah i agree i th- th- there were two two quick news items i think we should touch on we did saga what was the second well as t- there's there's two more oh my as god we're recording this it's indigenous people's day perfect Right. It's also National Coming Out Day. Oh, amazing. Right? Just like they happen to fall on the same day. Also, it's been announced that Superman has a boyfriend in a couple of issues. Superman himself? Well, John Kent, who John is Kent. Superman. Okay, right, right, right. Right. So okay. that the the Bendix character from um, that he, yeah, that the, was in the, the last the, issue. It's in the last couple of issues yeah. who was starstruck by yeah. meeting his mom. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna have another superman relationship with a journalist oh that's fun or a blogger yeah right but it's two boys um so that's that's interesting um i like i like the idea behind the story i feel like it's a little bit ham-handed for dc to announce it today specifically but you know uh synergy yeah we'll chalk it up to synergy um yeah i like that character 
Um, yeah, no, oh, I, I, I think, and it's Tom Taylor writing it, so I, and I, I think, think it's, it's cute that it's good. also a journalist, just to carry on the Superman dating a journalist thing. Yeah, it's cute. Yeah, uh, I hear I like that runs lot. in a family, you know, uh, yep. a general love of words. Yeah. Um, uh, the other thing is news item. I just want like I don't think we've addressed this at all to the podcast. Oh, we're getting our Marvel comics from Penguin Random House now. We are. They're having a hard time delivering things in great condition. Um, and so like for the next handful of weeks, I think Marvel stuff is going to be kind of weird and up in the air. So just thought like I'm going to need to dig deep into that. But I think I think it's uh, something that people should know. And, you know, um, go easy on your favorite comic shop, whether it's us or somebody else, because Marvel stuff's going to be going to be weird. And combined with the paper shortage that I think we're we're going to be impacted by pretty soon. It's uh, hard to get Spider-Man graphic novels right now. You just there's not yeah. many Spider-Man trade paperbacks available. That's got to be paper shortage and distribution change related. It's yeah. Uh, buy your Christmas presents now. I don't care yeah. if they're comics or fucking cheese blocks. Like, yeah, get that knocked out because uh, Christmas is going to be a weird one. Oh, I love cheese. Me too, buddy. Favorite type of cheese on three. Favorite type of cheese for a sandwich on three. One, two, three. Havarti. Sharp white cheddar. Okay, that's a good. That's a good one too. Um, I like. I like. I like Havarti. It's a little mild. Yeah, I've been really loving it on sandwiches lately because it is a little mild, um, but it's creamy. It's so creamy. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, yeah. Give me four cheeses any day. Yeah, I know that the other cheeses. answer was going to be uh, all of them because yeah. yeah, extra sharp yeah, cheddar. Um, I like extra sharp white cheddar. It's kind of wet, but I guess it's just the sharper things get. Seems like the wetter they get. Have you have you swapped out the American cheese on our favorite Quattro Formaggio sandwich? No. Pepper Jack. And is anybody still listening to us? Why would they be? I don't know. I would be. It's if I was in town. It's a great four cheese sandwich. It is. It is. Um, and if you can... I didn't even ever think about cheese substitution on there. Although I've never really thought you hear four <laughs> cheeses and you think that's pretty good. Hey, Quattro Formaggio, you got any other cheeses? Yeah, we've got this, this. Okay, cool. Let's make it uh, Let's make it a seven cheese. I don't take, know. Yeah, like, take what the American off and surprise me. No. Hey, Django, leave the American on and get that pepper jack on there, buddy. Holy shit. Can I add Why I'm saying? Yeah. Why am why? Like yeah. four, it seems like a pretty subjective place to have stopped. I want you to take into account all of your cheeses put them on that sandwich except i don't need feta on there it's a delicious so, cheese it's just not a sandwich cheese quattro's four yeah in spanish and in italian oh wow so what is a five cheese sandwich there is it that sounds like something you've been thinking about huh. Huh. we usually do that after we do our name outros but that's a really had, great question i had a really i had a really good question the, other, the tonight that i thought of while i was reading defenders do you have it still Almost. Um, well, listen, you can send us an email at jeff at thecomicsplace.com and I'm going to get that into this podcast. Thank you, Will, Andrew, and Elmers. Elmie, Will Elmie, <laughs> Nathan, Will Elmie, and Andrew. Nathan Boucher. Nathan Boucher. And uh, yeah, anyway, um, thank you, the three of you, for the emails. Uh, everyone tell a friend about this podcast. Please. Yeah. Say, I want to do this to you. I want you to have this podcast played upon you in your ears and just tell, make sure, make sure you tell them the thing that you have to tell everybody about every podcast. Like you're going to hate it for like three episodes and then you're going to really like these guys. 
Oh, I wouldn't say that. I mean, that's generous, <laughs> bud. But again, that's the difference between you and I. <laughs> like, you believe someone to be like, yeah, we're there. Someone's going to like us. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's what the emails You'll go. You'll see come- that they're, they're eventually kind of funny and smart sometimes. <laughs> it just, just takes like three. You, you got to cut through drinks the, to cut through the farts. <laughs> Listen, the farts are what's best. That was my best Django impression. Um We'll we'll see you next week for 244. We're coming up to 250, where I believe we have to go eat some gooey duck. Um, and as always, I'm Jeff Figley. Oh, we're also doing a Ted Lasbro's podcast. You should listen to that. It's been very rewarding. Um, I mentioned it earlier on, but you're gonna beep out your last name, Mr. Jeff Warren Figlier. 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 Um, I'm Jeff. I'm Django. story to you oh god yeah okay we've got in a world in a world divided by political strife sounds like a fiction to me where science is not necessarily believed oh god but is this okay oh fuck never mind i just thought of the plot to division of truth never mind how many what what would you call five cheese sandwich in an italian restaurant okay 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 we got to clean a bunch of stuff up we got to clean a bunch of stuff up here (laughs) you just said division of truth was that supposed to be Department, Department of, Truth. of Truth? Okay, okay. Because I, I, I haven't read that in a while. Um, I was just thinking, okay, if you had a superhero and they could do scientific things as long as at least half of the world believed in that science, what would the ramifications be? Well, there's been superheroes powered by belief before, right? Um, isn't yeah, like but, Santa Claus also have that going on? Yeah, but that's mythical belief. So this would be like... Okay provable science as soon and, and and you know like uh neil gaiman has done a bunch of stories similar to this where the gods start to disappear as soon as not enough people believe in them anymore and so i was thinking like let's say that uh as soon as humans understand quantum physics if enough humans understand quantum physics this superhero has the power to manipulate quantum physics but as soon as people start talking other people out of believing in it then they lose that power so like why can superman fly well here's a scientific reason okay i listened to a guy on youtube and he said that that's bullshit. oh now superman can't fly anymore there'd be a lot of up and downs with that a lot of up and downs or like really good propaganda right to to get people to believe in the science and if it wasn't real it could never happen but if it was real and people understood it and believed in it then this then this character gets the power Well, there is a Marvel character named Blind Faith from Earth 93060 who uh, Blind Faith was an ultra who drew power from belief. He sustained his ultra powers through faith in his own abilities. He could also drop onto the faith of others, building his reputation as a mercenary and a professional to increase his powers. Blind Faith once attacked the public ultra hero Warstrike at a baseball game, expecting such a public victory to dramatically increase his powers, abilities, Blind Faith 
demonstrated include strength, durability, flight, energy blast, second sight. Not the same thing. No, but but same genre. In the in the in the realm. Um, but I like that. I like that idea. I mean, it's it's so good. Django, it's such a rowdy idea. They call me rowdy, rowdy Django. I almost wonder we need to like throw some trademarks in here or like make sure Donny Cates mm. doesn't hear this. Or you know who we gotta make sure doesn't hear this? Colin Bunn. Because oh, he'll write a he'll write man. a fun book about it. That feels like is there a horror thing that is scary things? Look, the Colin Bunn one? It was the paper plate. Um, paper plate comic. Yeah, 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 yeah. The or, one uh, about the ward, House of Whisper. No, that was a different thing. Boy. Oh, we got it. We got it. It's it's I kind of always get it confused with um House of Penance. Uh yeah. it was coming out. Oh, the Unsound. The Unsound. Yep. Bam. He also was, did Harrow County, another really good horror book. Yeah. Spooky. Oh. Oh, bringing it all back home. Um, this was just bonus shit for Andrew to cut out, I bet, you know, because this is garbage, but I bet he enjoyed it. Hmm. Not that your question I, uh, was. I just I started reading a Marvel database entry about blind faith so like clearly really not used to you uh calling us garbage i'm uh trying to feel figure out how i feel about it um yeah that wikipedia thing was pretty bad the whole the whole concept was uh poorly formed too it was the defenders that made me think of it um my question is that when you were starting that question um <laughs> You did bail out when you decided it was too much like Department of Truth. Was that your planned bit, or did you act? Was that a genuine no. pulling out? Because you're I like, oh wait, this, it, actually I was like, wait, this is just Department of Truth, where they're trying to make people believe shit in order to make it true. Okay, okay, because that's well, that's like the whole setup for the first couple of issues. I I like that that was a genuine backing out at, at that point. Then uh, that was pretty good. I mean, I was fine with it either way, but I didn't know if that was the joke or not. No, I. I had it like I had a fully formed idea while I was reading Defenders because they go to a realm where nobody's science powers work. It's a realm that only has magic and doesn't have any science. Mm -hmm. And it's not like Dark Ages where you're relegated to steam powered things. It's like, no, scientific things don't work here. The, the cloud character can't do cloud things because nobody believes in science there. Did you read Dark Ages this week? No, I fucking forgot it. Oh, I forgot that and Pirate Queen, which you know, one was damaged into oblivion and in a new place. And the other one was a bad idea book that I just forgot. <laughs> Sounds like they were both ended up being bad ideas. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, Christ. Uh, that's going to be the reason there's Marvel shortages. Everybody's they're going to be coming in damaged. Uh, it, absolutely. Um, but if you don't mind having a dinged corner or whatever, let us know. Um, yeah. Because we might have a copy. Of, I had a dark ages this week came largely damaged, but there were people that were like, oh, I don't care. I would just like to read it. And I was like, well, I'll get you one with the Dean Corn if you don't mind. Are they still here? No, they're the, oh, the listeners. Here? Yeah, no, they're not. Okay. No, no. <laughs> just you and me, bud, until the end of time. Staring, Listen, staring I'll take it. We're watching Oblivion get old. <laughs> <laughs> it is an old Oblivion. <laughs> what a day. What an old day. Hey, an old, yeah. You know, what we didn't talk about at all. No. And you probably aren't ready for this. Oh, God. At noon on Friday, I pushed the final button to send pre-orders up to the internet, and I drove my car as fast as I could to watch No Time to Die. Oh, I mean, not ready for it is a different real thing. Like, on the fence about whether or it. not I'm ever going to see it. Like, I wouldn't, you know, I've missed some James Bonds, if you can believe it. It ties in heavily to the others, but it's a very good movie. 
You liked it a lot. It does. The trailer did actually make me want to see it. it my, my thought was that, I mean, like I haven't had interest in the any since Casino Royale, just because people were like, this is great. Um, so it, it looked like a good trailer and maybe one, one in five are the winners. OK. All right. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Better yeah. than one. I think so. Wow. It's, I, I, I liked it go out on a high quite note. a bit. Also, I sat a little too close and it was Ooh, just what I, I needed. like that. Yeah. Just what I needed. Wow. Listen to um, all the old people watching it behind me. I almost went and saw that Venom movie today, but I got, mm. I got, got bogged down. I want to. Yeah, I know. I haven't heard anybody talk about it yet. Neither has anybody else because no one's listening to us. Somebody is. <laughs> They're not going to hear us talking about it. Andrew's still listening to us. I like Andrew. Sorry, bud. Sorry, Andrew. <laughs> you do have to discover if there's anything of worth by the end of this audio file. <clears throat> um, have you heard anything good or bad about it? The Rotten Tomato scores weren't great. I haven't heard anything about it at all. I think it came out. It feels like it just by happenstance came out in the most depressing part of the COVID wave, which was like everyone rethinking whether or not they should be in the movie theater. Yeah. And like (laughs) hot on the heels of no good movies for about two or three weeks. Yeah. So like anybody who was going to movies got out of the habit for for me anyway, like I didn't go to a movie for a couple of weeks and then that came out and I was like, eh, a bunch of people are sick and dying still. I think I'll wait. Um, but so, I'm horny enough for movies now. I don't care if people are dying around me. I I know that about you. Yeah, I know that about you. And you know what? If you go see that, let me know because if I'm not uh, if I'm not otherwise, oh, no, I mean, I'm I looking at like a, yeah, I'm looking at like a two o'clock workday afternoon. You know, like mid of the I week went to type of thing. The other oh, I'm fucking one at at noon. I just mean that like I'm still trying to avoid people. I'm just oh uh, yeah, you know that's those my I, if I can do it in the middle of the day, I'll be I'm willing to go to a theater. Uh. Thursday. You work Thursdays? Bye, everybody. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, it was a follow-up to the movie theater time. I thought you were just like actually going into store planning stuff. Now. No, I, I was am. Like, okay. I okay. Am. Okay. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. I'm I'm Django Figley. I'm Jeff Bourne. W- Warren. <laughs>